A Divine Comedy, A Good Omens Multivoice Podfic, written by Waywater and read by Sky Asimaru and Jab. Chapter 4. It's a little bit funny. This feeling inside. Summary. Aziraphale fell. Mild-mannered schoolteacher by day, hungry stand-up comedy student by night, or much ado about bravery. Oh dear! As Aziraphale closed the door to his bedroom behind him, he closed his eyes and brought a hand up to his heart. Breathe, Aziraphale. He hadn't meant to tell Crowley so much. He hadn't meant to come across as a pompous idiot and act as though he knew more about teaching than he did. Though, well, he did. He hadn't meant to eat an entire dessert in front of him, or smile so fondly at him, or reveal that he used to be an actor. Breathe, Aziraphale. He sucked in a deep breath and held it for five counts before exhaling it slowly through his mouth. In addition to being old and fussy, Aziraphale was accustomed to being nervous, especially around handsome, grouchy stand-up comedians, apparently. What do you want, Aziraphale? Crowley had asked him. Aziraphale sat down on his bed and pulled open the drawer of his nightstand. He fished around for a moment before he found what he was looking for. An old, faded theatre program from nearly twenty years ago. His last show before bidding the stage farewell. Aziraphale traced his fingers lightly over the thin paper. Romeo and Juliet it had been. He hadn't been a Romeo or a Mercutio, no, not even twenty years ago. No, even when he'd been good, no one had taken Aziraphale felt seriously as a lover. The grey-eyed morn smiles on the frowning night, Aziraphale recited. He remembered every word as though it were yesterday. Aziraphale loved his current life. Loved his students, loved his books, loved his baked traits. Loved that he wasn't afraid. Well, as afraid. He remembered being an actor, the highest highs and the lowest lows, sometimes all on the same day. Aziraphale didn't particularly make a habit of places like carnivals, but he thought sometimes of his former life as having been on a particularly rickety roller coaster over and over and over again. His life now was a merry-go-round. It was nice and steady, and Aziraphale could see the ups and downs coming. It was nice. Aziraphale thought about Crowley. He imagined the tall, spinning swings at the carnival. He imagined the same comfortable certainty of knowing where he was going. He imagined the thrill of twirling. 
he imagined the weightless feeling of being up that high, of trusting that he could be up that high without falling. Aziraphale breathed. Wisely and slow, they stumble that run fast. Aziraphale arrived at the school the next morning and tried to go about business as usual. When he first strolled into his classroom, he peeked in on his class patch right away. Well, hello, Harry. Aziraphale reached into the rabbit's habitat to stroke his soft fur. And how was your weekend, my dear? As Aziraphale went about preparing Harry's breakfast, he filled Harry in on the particulars of his own awfully eventful weekend. <laughs> and do you know, Harry, he's awfully cross and sour at first, but I think deep down he's rather nice. Talking to bunnies again, Aziraphale? Aziraphale turned around to find Uriel and Sandalfon standing in the doorway to his classroom. Oh! Aziraphale swallowed, that familiar nervous feeling twisting his belly. Good morning. Teaching some Alice in Wonderland today. I beg your pardon? Sandalfon gestured at Aziraphale and Harry. I mean, come on, you've got the March Hare and the Mad Hatter right here. Breathe, Aziraphale. How can I help you two? Aziraphale attempted to swerve right past the Mad Hatter comment, but... Oh, lighten up, Aziraphale. Uriel rolled her eyes. It's just a joke. Well, I don't think it's a very clever one, Aziraphale wanted to say. Yeah, we thought you might be a little funnier after talking to your new friend. Aziraphale hated Sandalfon's smile. There was too much tooth to it, as if that grin could turn into a bite at any moment. How did it go, by the way? Uriel wanted to know. A part of Aziraphale longed to answer. Longed to spill his guts about the Breathe. crush he had on Anthony J. Crowley. Longed to confide in someone that, in a fit of something like madness, he'd signed up to take a stand-up comedy class. But there's laughing with someone... And there's laughing at someone. Aziraphale was new to the world of comedy, but he knew that at least. Lovely to see you both. Aziraphale strode forward and closed the door on the pair of them. He had a rabbit to feed and a class to teach. For the next four weeks, it went like this. During the week, Aziraphale followed his familiar patterns. 
He went to school. He taught his students. He created homework. He smiled politely in the teacher's lounge and then went about his business. On Saturdays, Aziraphale devoured. Aziraphale woke with the sun on Saturdays, fixed his breakfast and got to work, watching as much comedy as he could find, taking notes on different comic styles, cadences, everything. He went to the park, to the bookshop, to the sushi place, and he observed. He wrote it all down and wondered what within his musings would make an audience laugh. Wondered what would make Crowley laugh. He became a regular at the Ninth Circus Saturday open mic. He drank his minimum two drinks and he cheered for the nervous comics and he tried not to let his eyes shimmer with longing whenever Crowley was on stage. Crowley must have spotted him in the audience that second week because after the show he sauntered over to Aziraphale. Hello, Aziraphale. Crowley greeted him, and Aziraphale was relieved to hear as much pleasure in Crowley's voice as he'd ever heard before. Yes, hello. How's your curriculum coming along for tomorrow evening? Ah, come on. I just got off the stage. Give a bloke a chance to breathe. The merits to be had from a fine education wait for no man. Uh, I don't know what any of those words mean in that order. <laughs> All the more reason you need my help. Fine. Where to? To the Jasmine Cottage, Aziraphale exclaimed excitedly. As he had been a week ago, he was a little surprised that Crowley actually followed him. They settled into their chairs from nearly a week ago. Aziraphale set down his slice of strawberry lavender cake and his cup of tea and fished in his bag for his notebook. Crowley withdrew his own battered-looking book from his pocket. How anything was able to fit in there, Aziraphale would never understand. All right. Aziraphale took a deep swig of tea to ready himself. What have you thought about since we last spoke? When you're up on stage, the audience wants to learn something about you. Crowley offered right away. Aziraphale smiled. He'd clearly been working on that answer. Aziraphale recognized a pupil who wanted to do a good job. Hmm. Get personal. Aziraphale scribbled down in his notes. Wonderful. Yeah. It's all about revealing your darkest, deepest stuff. That usually ends up being the funniest. Uh, tragedy plus time, uh, whatever it is. Deep. Dark. Aziraphale continued to write. Spooky stuff. <laughs> what can I say? Big spooky fan, me. Aziraphale brought the tip of the pen to his mouth as he pondered his own deep, dark stuff. I was arrested in France once, Aziraphale offered. 
Crowley nearly spit out his coffee. You what? It was really all a misunderstanding. You see, I was there for some crepes. Write this down, you loon. Uh, whatever for? A Xerophil. I don't even know the entire story yet, but the idea of you... Crony gestured to Aziraphale, and Aziraphale wasn't certain yet how it made him feel. The idea of you getting arrested in a foreign country over snacks is already one of the funniest setups I've ever heard. I'm not a criminal, you know. I know! That's what's funny about it. I'm trying to imagine you in jail. Tell me it was an even more ridiculous outfit than this one. Tell me there were frills. Aziraphale smiled. He had a sneaking suspicion that he was being laughed with instead of at. It was nice. What else? Aziraphale prompted. Crowley consulted his own notebook. Ask questions. Questions about what? Everything! Crowley threw up his hands. Ask questions about everything. Yeah, make lists and ask questions. <laughs> that sounds like a good framework for an exercise for class. Crowley granted that. So far, Aziraphale had found the man terribly handsome while snarling, growling, and even hissing. His smile, lopsided like the rest of him, was quite nearly too much. What else? Well, I was thinking about the different kinds of jokes, you know? Oh, do you mean like stories versus one-liners? Crowley clinked a spoon against his coffee cup. Spot on, Angel. Angel. Aziraphale blushed a brilliant crimson and went to rescue his cake plate and his teacup as Crowley nearly appended the entire table in a mortified panic. Uh, sorry, I'm... Uh, it's not... Uh, you... Uh, I'm big on nicknames. Aziraphale nodded and plucked the strawberry garnish off of his cake, eager to look interested in anything else. Because he was a quick student that Aziraphale fell, he had only been deeply observing others for about a week. Normal people didn't nearly flip over tables over meaningless nicknames. Not that there was anything normal about Anthony J. Crowley. Aziraphale dared to glance up at the man. His face was practically as red as his hair, and his long fingers were gripping the still-wobbling table. Aziraphale wished he could see Crawley's eyes. He was quickly learning that eyes revealed an awful lot about a person. What was the expression? Eyes are the windows to the soul. Aziraphale was positive that Crowley had one. You've said it before, you know. 
Aziraphale pointed out, looking at his tea. Crowley's face contorted further in horror. Have I? The first night we met, it wasn't a very nice nickname that time. Crowley slunk into a seat as though he hoped the cushions of it might swallow him entirely. I've never had a nickname before, Aziraphale ventured, not certain whether or not he was supposed to drop the subject entirely. Why, Angel? Crowley flung up his hands in a sort of gesture at Aziraphale. They were lovely, those long, expressive hands. <laughs> Look at you! Crowley practically shouted. That was another thing Aziraphale was noticing. Crowley had very little of what Aziraphale would refer to as an inside voice. What about the way I look? Aziraphale asked as innocently as possible. I mean, he got it. He wore a lot of light colors and he was very pleasant. But he wanted to hear what Crowley would say. Crowley sputtered a little at that. Aziraphale was on the verge of steering them to another topic when Crowley finally found his voice. Well, I've never seen an angel before, have I? <laughs> no, I suppose not. Well, I've never seen anyone like you either, Crowley said, voice a little furious. Aziraphale looked away, but not before a beaming smile spread over his face. He darted his eyes shyly at Crowley. I suppose I should say thank you for the compliment. Ah, don't say that. If my lot here I've been giving out compliments. Ugh. He made another flustered gesture. <laughs> I'll forget you ever said anything. Aziraphale promised. He wouldn't. No, he'd press Angel to his heart like a flower in a book. Uh, thanks. Well, <clears throat> all right then. In your words, Crowley, what is the foundation of a good one-liner? For the next four weeks, it went like that. By their penultimate class, Aziraphale privately thought that Crowley might actually be proud of them. Not that he dare speak it aloud. Alright, alright, let's get you caught up. Saturday nights, pouring over comedy theory at Jasmine Cottage, turned into Saturday and Sunday nights at Jasmine Cottage. Turned into Tuesdays after school in St. James Park turned into the night that Crowley turned up at Aziraphale's flat with a bottle of wine and a stack of 40 Towers DVDs, turned into the exchange of teasing text messages and the offering of rights home, turned into Crowley knowing what to order for Aziraphale on the occasion that he turned up at Jasmine Cottage before him. 
as Ivanfil didn't know exactly what was happening or where they were going, but he found that he wasn't as terribly concerned as he would have imagined once upon a time. He and Crowley were friends, of that he was certain. Perhaps that was enough. He'd certainly never fathomed that this much was possible. And Aziraphale was doing well in class. He was discovering that comedy was a little bit like music. One could learn by ear. All the time he was spending in his research, combined with his class time, combined with his time with Crowley, Aziraphale was starting to hear the rhythms of jokes. The crescendos and the accents. There was no real formula, no perfect equation that came out too funny, but there were patterns and there were clues, and Aziraphale found himself proud at his ability to recognize them. Not that it did anything to quiet his nerves about the upcoming graduation showcase. It was one thing to practice his material in front of his strange classmates and his stranger teacher. Aziraphale thought of telling one of his lovingly crafted bits only to be met with silence from an audience, and his stomach lurched. This was scarier than Shakespeare. If an audience member didn't like the play, Aziraphale had plenty of other culprits on whom to pin the blame. Mainly Shakespeare. Comedy was going to be entirely him. His thoughts, his words, his voice. Just one more week, whispered a theoretically encouraging voice in his head. And then this will all be over. Aziraphale's stomach lurched at that, too. Being scared wasn't the same as being ready for this to be over. They stood in their squashed circle on stage at the Ninth Circle Club a week before their showcase. Aziraphale realized that he had drifted off into his own thoughts, while Crowley had delivered a rather spectacular lecture on heightening mechanisms, and now... Dismissed, guys! Crowley clapped his hands and waved them off stage. Classmates! Anathema announced as the rest of them filed away. Everyone turned back to look at her. We're going out tonight! She pointed an accusing finger at Crowley. You can't come! It's my bloody class! Crowley protested as Hester and Liga clapped and laughed. Which is precisely why you can't come. Our show is next week and we need to bond and gossip about you, obviously. Crowley scowled at her, but Aziraphale thought he noted just a bit of a smile tugging at the corners of his mouth. Aziraphale liked that Crowley liked Anathema. It was sweet. It reminded him of how he felt about his own students. Still, a night out with the rest of the class without Crowley? Aziraphale felt a familiar panic rising in his chest. Anathema and Newt had always been perfectly decent to him, 
though he was certain that they found him odd. Hester and Legger had perhaps stopped being quite so openly hostile, but Aziraphale still didn't think he could really consider himself their cup of tea. Or their dram of poison, really. Uh, are you going? Crowley turned to him. His glasses had slid a little bit down his nose, and Aziraphale could just make out a flash of gold. Crowley's eyes always made Aziraphale want to be brave. Do you know, I think I'll pop in for a spill. Aziraphale answered, hoping that Crowley would like the answer. Crowley put a hand on his shoulder. Listen, if Hastor or Liga gets out of line, you call me, Angel, yeah? Aziraphale smiled at him, fighting to think of anything clever to say, while Crowley was touching him. Thank you, my dear. I'll do that. Aziraphale! Anathema bellowed, striding forward to him and looping her arm through his. It's time to go! Aziraphale looked once more at Crowley. Crowley seemed to take a minute, absorbing the sight of Aziraphale and Anathema together. Something softened on those crouchy features as he said, <laughs> Have fun out there, kids. And he flicked his fingers at them in a kind of salute and turned to saunter out of the club. Aziraphale watched him go. A blush stole over his face as he realized how many nights it had been since he had not been in Crowley's company. Aziraphale wanted to be bold and commanding like Anathema had been. Stop, Crowley! You're coming with us tonight after all, because you make places more fun, you cranky old fiend! Anathema tucked at his arm a little, and when he turned to look at her, she was smiling at him rather too knowingly. You heard what he said, Aziraphale. Let's go have some fun. The situation at the bar escalated quickly. After an introductory round of shots, Anathema stood up and proposed a toast. All right, distinguished classmates. She tapped her pint glass with a knife. We don't ever have to tell him about it, but let's give it up to Crowley. To Crowley! <laughs> Aziraphale and Newt cheered immediately. Hester and Lega, as was their custom, just made disgruntled noises under their breaths. Anathema slammed on her pint glass, beer sloshing all over the table. Okay, you two. She placed her hands on the table and leaned forward. What's the deal? Aziraphale and Newt, united in awkwardness, turned to Hester and Legger. To Aziraphale's surprise, the pair of them looked rather flummoxed. What are you talking about? growled Legger. Now that the matter was literally on the table, Aziraphale found that he was also terribly curious. 
I believe that Anathema wants to know what you're doing in our class. If you hate Crowley so much. Uh, hate Crowley? We don't hate Crowley. Guys, you pick at Crowley constantly. And me, for that matter. Aziraphale pressed his luck. And me. Newt agreed, lifting up a hand in solidarity. Hester and Ligger stared at the other three for a moment, turned to look at one another, and turned back to the rest of the group, apparently speechless. Well? We... we like you. All of you. Anathema, Aziraphale and Newt, all in unison. What? We're comedians. We're just taking the piss. You're being mean. It's not the same thing. And it's not funny. Aziraphale backed Newt up, the poor dear. Oh, and since when are you an expert on funny, Aziraphale? Hester sneered, but... There! Anathema slammed her hands back on the table. Right there! You're being an asshole! Being an asshole isn't some magic formula for being funny. Knock it off! Hester and Ligger, all of them really, gaped at her. She picked up her dripping pint glass and took a triumphant swag. Now, everybody, bond! She sank into the booth and began to chat at a relieved and stunned Newt about the plight of baby seals. Aziraphale sipped awkwardly at his gin and tonic, feeling the confusion radiating off of the two men sitting to his right. Well, sorry. Hester finally grunted. Aziraphale choked on his drink. <laughs> Pardon? We're sorry. We don't like it when new comics turn up. Hester's eyes were fixed firmly on the porter in front of him. Especially new comics who are good. Lega added, also determinedly looking anywhere but Aziraphale's face. Crowley had said to call if Hester and Ligger got out of line, but this turn of events was far more alarming in Aziraphale's mind. Why did you two sign up for the level one class? Aziraphale asked. He did want to know. I wanted to get better. Hester slouched down further into the booth. I wanted to learn from Crowley. He's the best. How long have you known Crowley? Somewhere during this conversation, a server was flagged down and a second round was ordered. Carry on. Lager chuckled. <laughs> We've known Crowley since the beginning, haven't we? Hester laughed too. <laughs> we all started out together. Do you remember that stupid red blazer he used to wear? <laughs> he thought he was so cool, the stupid bastard. But there was a fondness in their voices now that Aziraphale had never heard before. What was he like? 
Aziraphale pushed his empty drink aside and reached for his fresh glass. Uh, Looked like he is now, Hester answered, a smile on his face. Quick, flashy, always had no staff. Uh, he didn't used to wear those glasses, remember? Liga nudged Hester, and they both laughed. <laughs> we used to call him the Serpent, with those eyes and how quick he was. Was he always so angry? Aziraphale was hanging on their every word. Hester and Liga exchanged a look. No... No, he uh, wasn't. We always figured it had something to do with whatever happened out in Hollywood. Didn't come back the same Crowley. Hollywood? Aziraphale wondered. He'd known through his research, of course, that Crowley had been something of a star on the rise back in the 90s but he'd never actually spoken himself about his time in Los Angeles. He came back grouchy and always wearing those damn glasses. We figured that he'd just gotten permanently blinded by the sunshine out there. And Aziraphale had a million more questions about Crowley, about Hollywood, about everything. But just then another round of shots arrived. Anathema passed them out around the table. Too Crowley! She shouted again. Too Crowley! They all bellowed in unison. Hester and Ligger, this time, were the loudest. Newt went home first. Hester and Ligger skiked off not too long after he did. Anathema and Aziraphale stayed for one more drink. When the bar finally announced last call, they left together and began the short jaunt back to the ninth sucker. Zira? Aziraphale? There's too many syllables. Z? I can't ride my bike while I'm this drunk. We need a ride. Aziraphale struggled to free his mobile from his pocket. Uh, shall I call us a taxi then? Anathema wrinkled her nose at him. A taxi? Z, you call an Uber. It's not the 60s. But no, that sounds hard. We'd have to do math and shit. She leaned against the wall of the club, frustration clouding her features, and then... <gasps> Z! Call Tony! Aziraphale, God forgive him, giggled at her. <laughs> he hates that, you know. You're the only one he lets get away with it. Oh, I bet you could get away with it. Aziraphale nearly dropped the mobile in the gutter. He was too drunk for this. No, no, I can't call him. He's probably asleep. Oh, but 
think of it, Z. Anathema cried, wrenching herself away from the wall and grabbing onto Aziraphale's shoulders. He'd be coming to our rescue. We're so small and helpless. Watch! <sighs> she brought her hand up to her forehead in the very picture of a hapless maiden. Aziraphale shook his head at her. No, <clears throat> I can't let him see me this drunk. Aziraphale argued this time, getting a little nearer to the truth. It's humiliating. <sighs> Don't you two hang out together, like, every night? Anathema shot right back. I've met Crowley. I know he's not spending all those nights drinking tea. <laughs> well, of course, we have certainly partaken together. But, my dear, it's nearly three o'clock in the morning. And I want to kiss him. I want to thread my fingers through that marvellous hair. And I want to kiss him. Aziraphale would wonder later about the truth to Anathema's witchcraft jokes, because she looked deep into his eyes then and said, Do it, Z. Aziraphale, drunk and in the company of a friend, called Crowley. You two magnificent disasters! Crowley had absolutely been asleep when he'd groggily answered Aziraphale's call, but, as Anathema predicted, he'd sprung into action right away. When the Bentley roared up to the club, Crowley hopped out and looked delighted. He opened the backseat door for Anathema and dipped into a deep bow, flourishing her arms at her. Your chariot, madame? Anathema curtsied and slipped into the back seat. Crowley turned to Granite Aziraphale. So, had some fun then? <laughs> Aziraphale hiccuped in response. Crowley shook his head, but the grin didn't leave his face. Come on, Angel. And Aziraphale took a step towards the car. But, oh, he didn't see the curb there. And suddenly he was stumbling. He was tripping. He was falling. A pair of long, wiry arms caught him around the middle. Crowley stumbled backwards as he caught Aziraphale. And the pair ended up pressed against the side of the Bentley. Aziraphale's face buried in Crowley's chest. Had he been at all sober, Aziraphale might have pulled away with an immediate jerk, would have probably fallen over himself to apologize, would have felt terribly ridiculous and ashamed. But he was so very drunk, and Crowley's arms around him were so very nice, and Crowley smelled... Why do you smell like apples? Aziraphale murmured against the fabric of Crowley's shirt. 
Gently, Crowley pressed Aziraphale away from him. A mystery for another day. Get in the car, Angel. Oh, but that means I'm going home. Oh, what's wrong with that, Angel? Aziraphale's lips wobbled as he confessed the awful, awful truth of it. Well, you're not there. Crowley's lips parted, and Aziraphale thought he heard something like a gasp escape him. Anathema poked her head out of a window. Hey, idiots! I love you both, but either make out or take me home. Crowley ducked his head at that, but he was still smiling. Aziraphale, emboldened by friendship and by alcohol, dared to bring his hand up to the side of Crowley's face. Crowley yanked his head back up and, even with his glasses on, Aziraphale saw the surprise in his eyes. Well, Crowley? Aziraphale said, just so the two of them could hear. Which will it be? You're drunk, Aziraphale. Crowley sat back, just as quietly. Aziraphale stroked his thumb over Crowley's cheek. Crowley sighed at the touch. He turned his head just enough to place the ghost of a kiss over Aziraphale's wrist. Then he took Aziraphale's hand and tucked it away from his face. He turned away from Aziraphale and opened the front seat door of the Bentley. You're drunk, Crowley said again, in a thick voice that Aziraphale had never heard before. And you have a show to start focusing on. What sort of teacher would I be if I didn't get you home safe and sound? He placed a hand on Aziraphale's lower back and steered him into the front seat of the Bentley. Boo! called Anathema from the back seat. No, oh, I cannot wait to come see you at work, bright and early tomorrow, Starshine. Might even set an alarm for it. He turned to Aziraphale. All right, Angel. All right. Perfect. Marvellous. Tickety-boo. <laughs> yeah, you'll be the second stop on the Great Hangover Tour of 2020. Am I allowed to audit middle school classes? I'd love to watch you try to get through Emily Dickinson in this state. The hope is the thing with... Uh, Aziraphale stammered. The thing with... Uh, he looked to Crowley in a panic. Crowley? What is hope the thing with? Don't look at me. Not a snooty English teacher like some others of us, am I? <gasps> Crowley? Buried deep beneath the shots, there was a sober Aziraphale screaming to get free. A moment of silence for that Aziraphale. Crowley, I need to know. What is Hope the thing with? 
Crowley cocked his head to one side and, oh, he was handsome and funny and nice, and he had come to rescue Aziraphale. Aziraphale held his breath, awaiting the answer. Feathers, I think, Angel. Feathers, that was it. Aziraphale nodded and fell back against her seat, shutting his eyes tightly against the world that was now beginning to swirl before him. He felt a light squeeze on his knee and heard the first bits of a song warble out as he drifted off. Sometimes I feel so happy. Sometimes I feel so sad. Aziraphale woke up the next morning feeling horrible. Aziraphale made his way to school feeling horrible. Aziraphale taught his first class feeling horrible. During his free period, he slumped down in his seat, leaning his head into his hands and groaning out loud. Oh, well done, Aziraphale. You've gone and made a complete idiot of yourself in front of Crowley. Aziraphale blushed at the memories that had been coming back to him in horrifying flashes all morning. Had he really touched Crowley's face without asking and forgotten Emily Dickinson all in one fell swoop? Anathema was a dreadful influence. There was a knock at his classroom door. Come in, Aziraphale called out, wincing at the sound of his own voice. The school secretary pushed their way through his door. Delivery for you, Mr. Fell. They sat down on his desk a rather gargantuan to-go coffee from Jasmine Cottage and what certainly looked like an apricot scone. There's a note, too, the secretary said eagerly, pointing at the little scrap of paper perched on top of the coffee. School secretaries are allowed to be excited about mysterious in-school deliveries. Aziraphale unfolded the note and was rewarded with the sight of a skinny, slanting scrawl that he'd only seen so far in bent and battered notebooks. Looked it up to be sure. Hope is definitely the thing with feathers. Hope you have a good day, Crowley. Thou fond, mad man. Aziraphale whispered to himself. And so Aziraphale bit into a scone, gratefully sipped his coffee, and made it through his remaining classes. To even his own surprise, he did not immediately fall into bed upon arriving home. Aziraphale made a cup of tea, set his very body at his desk, and began to write, thinking of red hair and of apricot scones. He finally knew what he wanted to say. To be continued in Chapter 5